The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give me to his house and a red flag. Welcome to the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is a special edition of the Swain event. It is New Year's Day. Uh, ben and I are in Orlando, and this is coming off a 35 to nothing win over Iowa uh, in the Cheez-It Bowl. Ben, um, sir, like, I wasn't expecting 35-point uh, beatdown. I was expecting a win, but now that it happened, I'm not really surprised that Iowa looked the way they did on offense. Iowa is atrocious. They they lived up to the the hype. You know, most people say that they were as good as advertised. They were as bad as advertised. That that offense was was atrocious. And and look, you you give credit for to Tennessee for for making the plays that it did. I thought several players played it extremely well, starting with James Pierce Jr. I mean, he he dominated the football game and uh, really took over the football game. Like you see, T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett. The Bosa brothers, like like those guys, do at the next level. I mean, he he is that type of talent at this level right now, and hard to envision many edge rushers that will be returning better than that guy. He he is just very very talented. A sack, a tackle for a loss, uh, the sack forced a fumble, and Dominic Bailey fell on it at the two yard line, set up a Tennessee touchdown, uh, and then he has the the pick six, ma- makes a great play in coverage out in the flat, and returns it fifty two yards for a score. And uh, he, he was just very, very dominant. Also had another quarterback hurry in, in addition to getting to the quarterback. Uh, but it, it just wasn't him. I, I thought Amari Thomas played really well now that he had some time to, to get healthy. Uh, Bryson Eason made some plays. All those veterans, Dominic Bailey, uh, Elijah Simmons, uh, but really Tyree West. He was kind of the one that caught my eye the most, not named James Pierce Jr., him and Andre Turrentine. I thought those two guys played really, really well and, uh, Elijah Herring, I thought he took a nice step forward today. We'll, we'll see if that can carry over in the next season. Uh, Brian Jean-Marie played dadgum every young linebacker Everybody. he had. Yeah, Jalen Smith out there making a tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah T. Lander, this was his type of football game, uh, and in-the-box type of game, slowing down Iowa's running game. So, uh, yes, Iowa's offense is bad, and they were as bad as advertised. Uh, but give credit to Tennessee. They showed up ready to play. And after Andre Turrentine made what, in my opinion, was the most important play of the game uh, on that interception to to steal the momentum back after Iowa was kind of bullying Tennessee there in the trenches to drive down the field after Jackson Ross shanked that punt. Uh, he made a great play on the football, and uh, that, that spun the momentum into Tennessee's favor. So, yes, Iowa's offense is bad, but credit to Tennessee. A lot of players stepped up and, and were ready to play on uh, New Year's Day. Then you make you make a really good point about um, the, the shank punt. You know, early to start the game, and both teams kind of were dancing in the ring a little bit, waiting to throw the first punch. And Tennessee couldn't really move the ball. Um, Iowa surprisingly could not move the ball, and Iowa had a a punt 
in which, you know, D. Williams chose not to uh, field. And sometimes on that turf, man, that ball could bounce funny and it's coming at you really fast and you don't feel like you can catch it and you don't want it to hit you and fumble. And so, uh, listen, he made a decision that he thought would benefit his football team, but, um, you know, really it put Tennessee in some weird field position. Uh, after Tennessee was able to get a, a stop on Iowa, um, and we would have got the ball in a really good spot to go down and score, but that forced us to start in a bad place. And then when we punted, you had to shank, and Iowa had great field position. That's that hit, hitting yardage that we talk about. But that's a prime example of, of what I mean of what happened. Um, Iowa started on their own twenty-five. And then their next possession started on Tennessee's 47. So they didn't have any offense, but their second possession started on Tennessee's 45. And so, um, but you're right. Like that play by Andre Turrentine, that's what turned the game around. Like after that moment, Iowa just could not get off the mat. They could not do anything at all. Uh, Tennessee did a really good job of stopping the run. The, the Probably one of the most surprising things of this game, Ben, was – the fact that Tennessee was able to run the football the way they did in the first half, over 120 yards, and uh, you know at halftime, you know I asked Heupel about um, what what he liked with his team pitching a shutout on defense, and he mentioned success in the running game. Um, I did ask him about what he felt like his team need to do from an adjustment standpoint uh, to be more. Um, efficient offensively and he mentioned the pass protection too because you know that that was an issue that we will that we'll get to but the good things Tennessee ran the football um Tennessee's defense did not allow I was back up to the backup have a career day and dude dude, he was terrible I mean I don't know what he was doing today Uh, I have no clue what he was doing today yeah I I don't I don't know his his interceptions were just Mind blowing, and it was I, the sack. I, the sack he took. Do you remember the sack? It was on. It was uh, he was rolling out. It was a um, I want to say it was a flood route or some type of crossing route, and it was a guy right there in front of him, and he took a ten yard sack instead of just throwing it to the player or throw it to the player's feet and avoid a ten yard sack. He just took the sack. I and think I was that was like, Tyree West on the sack on that particular one. I was like, "What are you doing, man?" Yeah, he yeah. he he was I, he, he, was, he was awful. I look, I I called him a cheese it. <laughs> I said he was a cheese it. It's at, at six foot three, two hundred and sixty three pounds, whatever he was. I I mean, he's shaped like a cheese it, and, and he played like one. Nice man. Two, I know it's not, but it's I mean, nice. we were talking about the Deacon Hill on our podcast at Go Balls twenty four seven, and. You know, he, he's a, a big quarterback, and, and when you hear big quarterback, everybody wants to say, oh, Ben Roethlisberger and whatnot. But, like, Ben Roethlisberger was six foot six and a lot of weight. This dude is six foot three and 250, 60 pounds. It, it's all compressed into one area, and he's shaped like a Cheez-It, well, was kind of my thinking. And uh, he, 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 he played like it. He played like it, too. I, I don't know what he was doing on the interceptions. I don't understand why they didn't start the freshman running back that was running around all over the place. I, I don't – or the freshman quarterback that was running 
around all over the place. I don't understand why they didn't start him. I know he didn't have any experience this season and clearly cannot First throw game. the football. Clearly cannot throw the football. But, man, he he gave them some juice. And Tennessee still wins the football game if he starts. But I, I bet Iowa doesn't have zero points on the board at the end of the game if he starts. Are you trying to say that Dickie Hill woke up feeling the cheesiest? He, he Yes, he, he woke up feeling most definitely the cheesiest, the, the extra – cheesiest and and you know Tennessee again Iowa's offense is as bad as advertised but credit to them for for showing up and uh getting you excited for for next season I, I thought today uh, for the defense and, and offense as well the team as a whole I, I thought it was a really really nice bow to end the 23 regular season but I also thought it was a, a really really nice uh building block for the 2024 season as well and and we haven't talked about Nico Iamaliava just yet, and uh, he, he is the biggest reason, along with James Pierce, that, that everybody should be really excited for next season because his his numbers weren't eye-popping or, or anything along those lines, but the, the three rushing touchdowns are, right, tying James Stewart and, and Josh Dobbs for the most uh, rushing touchdowns in, in a Tennessee bowl game, uh, but you can just see he, he has that it factor. He, he's just different. He's so poised for, for how young he is, and uh, he was asked after the game about him making his first career start. He said he wasn't nervous. He he's I would think that he's not lying uh, because he seems like the type of cat that he truly was not nervous, and, and his reasoning was when you prepare the way that that quarterback room does prepare, there, there's no reason to be nervous. And, and he's just as cool as the other side of the pillow, I mean, truly. And, and, and that makes me believe him when he says that he was not nervous. And, and you could it was reflected in, in his play. He's just super poised for, for somebody so inexperienced. And uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch once he does have experience under his belt because you can see the different types of, of throws that he makes. The, the one where – and there's things that he can clean up. The sack that he took right before – halftime and, and the two-minute drill, that, that can't happen. And there were a couple of other times when maybe he should have cut the ball loose here or there a little sooner. Or I think he missed score, score white down the seam, wide open at early in the game as well. There, there's obviously things he can work on, but he's got that it factor. And he made that throw. It was the one to Ramel Keaton on the sideline where I was like, yeah, that that's what – and I don't at all want to get into the whole Joe thing, but like that's what Tennessee was missing this season where – you can extend the play, keep your eyes downfield, and then also, I mean, he he makes a beautiful throw on the sideline with a little bit of touch on it, and Ramel Keaton's able to make a terrific catch. I mean, that that's kind of what I feel like Tennessee was missing at times this season, and, and that was the throw that I was like, yeah, th this guy's a, a little bit different. And, and he also had the run going into the north end zone that set up a touchdown where he kind of slipped the defender at the last second when it looked like he was going out of bounds and was able to get two or three extra yards, and then Tennessee was able to convert uh, and pick up the first down to, to set up first and goal, I believe. like th It's just those type of plays that he makes when you don't think he's going to make it that shows you, even for a true freshman, he he's just different, and he has that it factor, and he's just so poised. You, you don't really see it from, from young quarterbacks like he is. Yeah, it was it was it was good to see him play a full game. Um, slippery, explosive, smooth. Uh, you mentioned poise. It's what you get with those California quarterbacks. Uh, Casey was the same. Tyler Bray was was the same. Um, like those stages, just never was that big for those guys because for whatever reason, man, those guys from California, man, they are just 
cool as the other side of the pillow. And that was the case uh, today. He, I thought, did a really good job of, of not getting too frustrated because the offensive line just did not help from a pass pro standpoint. Uh, a lot of new faces. And when that happens, and I know you mentioned missing Squirrel White, but like, man, every time you drop back and there's guys coming free, at some point you start seeing ghosts. And it's really tough for a freshman quarterback. This is why early in the season, it was important for Nico when he went in in a blowout situation, man, to play with the ones on the offensive line. I play with twos. Uh, he gets hurt in the Virginia game when he goes in with the second team offensive line. So um, he was able to show his elusiveness. He was able to show his athleticism. Um, and guys like Nico, when you compare him to Dobbs, Dobbs was able to still have success offensively, even when the offensive line wasn't as great as it needed to be in 2014 for the entire season. And that's the upside that you have a guy at the quarterback position that can do that. The downside is the offensive line has to get better. Uh, it, quick, it fast, has, and hurry. Yes, yeah. quick, fast, in a hurry. And just, just thinking ahead to next season, like it, like how can you not get excited when you think about Nico and the skill position players? You, you think about Dylan Sampson and Cameron Seldon. They were really, really impressive today. And, and look, speaking of the offensive line, give them credit. We both mentioned it. They they rushed for more yards than we expected. It's not all Dylan Sampson and, and Cameron Seldon. They have to have people block for them in order to get those yardage. Mm -hmm. So that they, they the offensive line performed better than I thought. They still need to get better, but. Cam Seldon and Dylan Sampson get excited about that duo. You look at tight end with, with Holden Stays coming in and, and Ethan Davis, you would expect for them to be productive, although they do have something to prove. Uh, the receiver room, I think it's going to be better from top to bottom. I think it's going to be more talented. I, I think it's going to be well-rounded. You can correct me if, if you disagree. You know receivers better than me. But you look at receiver position, tight end position, the running back position, and you pair that with Nico, and you really, really, really get excited. But this offense next season is only going to go as far as this offensive line allows it to. And I think you're in a, a really solid spot with the four veterans that you are returning, but you can't, you can't be a successful offense and win something of significance with four offensive linemen. I mean, you need to be six, seven deep, if not more than that. Like, I, I think you still need to find a left guard. You still need to shore things up within the starting lineup. And then you've got to find a way to build depth. And maybe you can find someone in the portal that can help you build depth. I think that's hard to do through the portal. It's got to be through the freshman, or not the freshman ranks, but uh, your high school recruiting, your development on, on campus. You've got to find some guys that, that can really provide good, solid depth behind the veterans that, that you are returning because as good as those skill position players are and, and Nico are, that, that offensive line can can really mess some things up if, if it's not what it needs to be next season. Not only from a production standpoint, but if it's not ready to play from game one next year or the month of September, it could get Nico hurt. And it's not going to matter if you if you have Nico because he's not playing because he's banged up behind an offensive line that was not taken care of over the offseason. So they've got to find a way to sure up that position because four offensive linemen isn't going to be enough next season, as we saw this year. Yeah, I mean, you got experienced guys coming back and you know, you can you can handle some 
some things next season. You can get a player from the portal, and you'll be okay for 2024. But 2025 is the big question. That I mean, that's and that scares the, the hell out of you uh, when you're thinking about the next season, the 25 season being the season where Nico is in position to go to the next level, go to the league. That's going to be the national championship year. Yeah, like that's a money year. And to, as we sit today, the offensive line is not equipped to be as good as they need to be for, for Nico to be successful. But, you know, back to this game, Tennessee, again, getting a win, uh, 35 to nothing. We are recording 10-20-ish the, the night after after the game because we're unable to do the show live because we're both, you know, where we are right now. And so I want to make sure that we record um, and, and be able to talk about this football game. Um, James Pierce made an unbelievable play on the interception uh, in the return. You look at him forcing a fumble. You know, he's a guy that we've seen defensive players hit the portal. We've seen guys uh, decide to go to other places. He's a guy you do everything that you can to make sure that he is in Tennessee Orange next season. And um, I will say there's there's schools out there they're trying to get their hands on James Pierce. And uh, kudos to um, the right people in the right places right now to make sure uh, that Tennessee does not allow that to happen. And um, it can't happen. I mean, it, it, it's it's oh, that I, simple. I get you. It, I get it can't you. happen. It can't, like, it can't happen. He's the type of player that you slide a check in front of him, and you say, "Whatever you need, we'll take care of." Yeah, he's he he he'll be here another year. Uh, then he'll go to the next level. Uh, I do fully anticipate uh, Brew at some point. Um, really, really soon to um, let us know let us know his intentions, and I think those intentions being is for him to be uh, be back next year. And honestly, I don't, and I never thought he had many options. Anyways, um, I'm just surprised it's taking this this long to decide what, whether he's going to come back or enter the draft. I, I feel like coming back was always the best best option for him, but I think we're going to get some some clarity on what he is going to do for the 2024 season. So uh, hopefully that he is healthy when he needs to be healthy. And when he is healthy, that he is back to his normal self and he's able to have a great year 2024. Uh, You had a tweet earlier being about, you know, some of the um, new arrivals, players from the portal. And some of the young players, so I got a chance to see them on sideline too. Um, but Brazel and Stays, they they look the part, that's for sure. Look like they've been in the college weight room. <laughs> they do. I, I think Brazel needs to stay in the college weight room uh, th- this all season. He, he he looks like Justin Hunter as a young receiver to me. He does. Uh, so he he I I think he is going to be exactly what this offense was missing at receiver uh, th- this season. That that outside perimeter threat that that can go up and and high point the football and and bring it down. That uh, they they were missing that this season, especially after Brew went down due to an injury. And I think Brazel, uh, with a, a good off season, I think he's going to be able 
uh, to provide that. The, the receivers took a step back this this season. I, I, I did not see it coming whatsoever. I, I was completely wrong about that. I mean, I was saying in Nashville and other places that I, I thought Tennessee's receiver room might be the best receiver room in the SEC. You said that and for I, real? <laughs> Uh, no, yes. you didn't, man. There's no record of that. They don't. No, there, that. there's record. You were messing with me about it at the time. No, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was very, very wrong about that, obviously. But <laughs> uh, I, I really do like where the, the receiver room is is headed for next season. Uh, Brazel and Thornton and Brew, assuming Brew does make that decision to come back with a squirrel white. Let's let's pump and, the brakes. Uh, let's just so pump the, the brakes. I mean, let's that four alone is really good. Just, and then, well, let's let's pump the brakes, man. Let's, I, let's I get wait. it. Let's wait because you know Thornton didn't do anything this year that should make you feel great about the receiver room. Um, and then you know, Bruce coming off an injury, um, it has the makings to be good. Is my point? Yeah, like, well, yeah let's pump the brakes, though. I, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, you know, Brazel's a good good player, uh, high upside, three years. But Bruce come off an injury. Uh, you know, Thornton's coming off a, you know, pretty, you know, he'll be all right next year. Hanko sprain and, um, I mean, he should be okay. When we played next year, technically this year, uh, this calendar year, but like, let's, he has some work to do, man. Like he got some work well, to yeah, do. They have some work to do, but I, I like, I like the makeup of the room. If, if they can put a, a great okay. off season together. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll let this play out. I do. I do think, um, you know, Matthews has a chance to be pretty good. I like I like what I saw from him on, on tape, uh, competing at the um, under arm all American Bowl. He got some, he got some some lateral quickness and some and some feet. I think uh, that he'll have have a chance. But um, man, I got a chance to talk to uh, Jalen McCullough after after the game, uh, and that was cool, man. Like I interviewed Jalen McCullough, and I interviewed McCollum Castles, Jacob Warren. Um, you know, guys that was in this program for multiple years. Uh, I know Colin Castles was not, but like they got some cool stories, man. Um, you know, Jalen McCullough has played more games in Tennessee than anybody else uh, in Tennessee football history, and um, I mean, he was just so thankful, uh, appreciative of the moment, the current moment, right there on the football field after the game, and. You know, being able to play at a prestigious university like Tennessee, that's his words. Uh, obviously, he had some adversity, but that's something that's ongoing for him too. But uh, still, like, to be able to finish his career with the win, look at Jacob Warren, you can say the same thing. Had some adversity. Um, you know, McCollum Castles, like, he came here to play on a bigger stage to try to get to the next level. And, you know, we saw his athleticism on display early and, Talked about that a lot before he got here, but man, think about how much he's improved as a as a run blocker. Like he has allowed himself to be a more complete tight end. And he gave a lot of credit to uh you know Alec Ablin, um, you know, for that helping him. And then got a chance to talk to Cooper Mays, um, uh, to someone that started the season not playing and um so important tonight for those guys uh to help Nico make his first start and then have the type of game uh, that he had. But um, anybody else besides Nico stood out to you? Obviously, I know Dylan Sampson had uh, 130-plus yards and you know, had a good game as well. But anybody else besides those two, I think it's obvious that Nico stood out and 
and um, Dylan Sampson stood out. Yeah, I mentioned some of the the defensive guys. A lot of the defensive guys earlier feel better about Andre Turrentine going into next season. Uh, I, I I hope that Elijah Herring can can build off of what he was able to do today. I, I it looked like he was just playing football and you know his biggest problem is is that his mind ties up his feet and that just didn't seem to be the issue today it seemed like he was really diagnosing things well and and was just flying from from sideline to sideline and playing with his hair on fire uh he, he just looked different today maybe that was a result of Iowa's offense being slow and bad but I Tennessee needs Elijah Herring to, to step up and have a big season next year uh, along with some of those other linebackers but uh, Cameron Selden was was probably the one in that next tier of guys that that were very very impressive after Pierce and Sampson and and Nico um, made made you feel really really good about that RB two spot going into next year. Uh, Dylan Sampson, yes, it was good to see him uh, take over as RB one and and not really miss a beat there. But I, I don't think that any of us are surprised to see Dylan Sampson do what he did today. Uh, the the 133 yards on 20 carries, I believe it was, averaged over six yards a, a pop against a, a really really good Iowa rush defense. Uh, one they, of the statistically I, speaking, they are. I mean, I, I, we we got to start challenging stuff, man. Like we we sometimes I think we see stats and we're like, oh yeah, man. That's, yeah. Hey, numbers don't fair. lie. Damn that man. Numbers lie. <laughs> numbers they do when lie. it comes to they they probably do when it comes to this Iowa team. And, and I mean, that that's a very, very fair point. They play Numbers in the big 10 West. The big 10 West features a lot of bad football, Nebraska, Wisconsin, very, very average at best, Minnesota, very average at best. I think Illinois is in that division average at best, just a lot of average at best football in, in the big 10 West. So that, that is probably a, a fair point uh, about Iowa's rush defense and, and them not really facing Anybody? I, I don't know off the top of my head what Michigan did on the ground, or if, if they played in Ohio State, what, what those bigger teams did on the ground against them. But well, Michigan uh, wasn't able to have a bunch of explosive plays. Now Michigan did. Um, this was have a couple plays in the post Connor Stallions, though, right? <laughs> no, nah, man, he was already gone by then. This was in the Big Ten. That's my point. You know, they didn't know what sides were coming. That's why they couldn't oh, have the explosive well, plays. Well, you can't say that because Michigan just beat Alabama without without. Connor Stallions uh, must have been in the Rose Bowl somewhere. No, no, uh, that was Michigan, baby. All Michigan right there. But like, if you look at Michigan against Iowa, and Michigan only had sixty six yards rushing. I mean, one hundred and forty seven yards passing. Total yards two hundred and thirteen. Michigan had two nice punt returns, but Iowa, I mean, I guess was able to play either okay or Michigan was just sleepwalking and played down to to competition. I don't know how Iowa won ten games. Well, I, mean, I, I guess I do because the competition wasn't that wasn't that good. They're, they're uh, a better version Michigan. of Kentucky. It, it a slightly better version of of Kentucky. It, it, it seems like, but I mean that that's a fair point, but it. It's also not a bad Iowa defense. They 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 have some big physical dudes and and some guys that that have a chance to play at the next level, as, especially at linebacker. Uh, so I I don't want to completely discredit and not saying that you're doing that. Um, fair to wonder if the statistics are lying. Kind of feels like they were, uh, but also they're not a slouch either. And uh, Dylan Sampson and and Cam Selden, they they were able to really run the football well, and and I think Cam Selden. 
very much looked the part at, at running back and uh feels like you should get excited about Cam Selden going to his going into his sophomore year the way everybody got excited about Dylan Sampson going into his sophomore season it, it really feels like an identical situation and uh good good for Tennessee to see Cam Selden have some success and uh he and the reason it, I think it's so good is because it, it wasn't a sure thing at running back for Cam Selden. I mean, this is a guy that was playing defensive end and outside linebacker and receiver and wildcat quarterback in high school because he played at a at a one A school in Virginia and he was the best player on the field by far. And so he played practically every single position and didn't really run true plays. They just gave the ball to him and said go. Very much Cordell Patterson like in in that situation. So you didn't know how he was going to adjust to the running back position, but with the way he was kind of setting up his blockers and running behind his pads and and running behind his blockers, I mean, he he looked like a true running back out there at, at six foot two, and uh, that wasn't a guarantee. So I, I thought that was a good thing to see today. Well, the, uh, he had a couple plays on short yardage, and understand he's a true freshman who is a converted running back, but he had a couple plays on third down and short where he was he, he was. He was dancing a little too much instead of just hitting it, putting his head down and going to pick up a yard. Uh, I think other than those two plays, because it happened more than once, other than those, other than those two plays, uh, I thought he had a nice outing for uh, his first time getting significant carries uh, at the running back position. Pass pro is still going to be uh, paramount just because of the offensive line situation. Uh, Dylan Sampson's size will always be, be questioned and challenged by uh, opponents, um, when they look at him, they feel like they can get to the quarterback and um, be able to take his block on and still have success uh, rushing a passer. Uh, Selden, man, I anticipate him having a big spring, making a huge jump from his freshman to a sophomore year. Uh, but that RB three spot, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see what happens there. Will it be a true freshman uh, that spot, or do we see a true sophomore? Uh, Keith Khalifa, or do we see, um, you know, your boy from Carnes come back from from injury? That's uh, that's Volstorm's boy, Deshaun Bishop. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe not your your typical walk on, but there there's there's a reason he was a walk on at the end of the day and is coming off a, a pretty significant injury. Um, but they they they've got some some interesting prospects. At that running back spot with with Bishop and Peyton Lewis coming in, that's the freshman that that you alluded to, and uh, Khalifa Keith, he 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 is a bowling ball. I I, I want to see him in 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 the game. I just want to see what he looks like running the football, uh, because he he is yoked up. He, he, was he in is. There. Well, I I think he got in at the very very end when I was yeah, making three my carries. way. I, I and when he was in, I was making my way down to the field, so I actually did not see those three carries. Oh, okay. Yeah, three uh, carries, I, seven yards. Okay, when I go back and and watch the game, then I'll see it then. But I was making my way down to the field when when he was in the game. But yeah, that that's an interesting spot. But in terms of the RB three, if if you do get banged up at running back, but I I think I think you feel really good about RB one and RB two going into next year, especially when you pair it with Nico's legs, N Nico. You can see why a guy like Bryson Eason, he was asked about Nico, and I don't know if he was just asked about Nico in general and he brought it up or if he was asked specifically about Nico's ability to run the football, but how he 
how Bryson Easton described it was that he is a a taller Bryce Young, just in the running style and just yeah. kind of slippery. And and you saw that today. Yep, 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 yeah. I got a chance to talk to Bryson Easton after the game too, um, and you know he said that like I didn't even stop because I agree with him. I think it's a really good comp, so I just let it flow. Didn't even hesitate because uh, I can see the same thing. I remember Bryce Young from his game at Leland Stadium in 2022. So uh, I don't like I don't really want to see Nico. I mean, I like what we saw today. I don't think I really feel comfortable with Nico uh, carrying the ball 15 times. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, like that's that's Iowa. But 15 times a game in not the gonna, SEC? Not, nah, probably not going to last in the SEC. No, I mean, Dylan Sampson had 20. I mean, which is the first time uh, I think a back has had that many carries since – Jabari Small versus Purdue in the bowl game in 2021. Wow, so that's like, a heck of a step. You like think about like think about like our backs. We do a really good job of rotating guys in and out, and we keep guys fresh. And we haven't had our running back have to go for 20, 25 carries like that. And uh in that game, that was an overtime game too. So Shout out to Dylan Sampson for being able to put together a really good performance on 20, 20 carries. And then Selden gave us 55 yards on 13 carries. So 15 carries, that's a lot of carries for, for, for Nico. That's not something I really want to see on a, on a uh, week by week basis. But for today with the offensive line, um, in the position that it was and you know guys feel like they can't go and um but then being the first one to ask where the t-shirt t-shirts are at after the game stop um it was a punning clinic that's for sure between tory taylor and jackson ross ross had the the shank uh but ross had a nice Punt that was down inside the five. That Tory Taylor dude kicked a fifty yard. Like he had a fifty yard punt where the ball was in over in. Guys, he, he's really good. I don't think people understand. And we joke around about punter you and all that stuff, but I remember watching Dustin Cole quit as a freshman. And Dustin works with the punters now. And after the game, I was like, I know you like that. He was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, I do. And the defense pitched a shutout, but the the Ray Guy Award winner, Tory Taylor, like he is Iowa's best player. And when do you see a punter declare or kicker declare for the NFL draft and have an extra year of eligibility and say no? Like he is a weapon. Um, and if Iowa had any offense, they probably would have been uh, uh, even more deadly and had a better record because. That dude, Taylor Mankin, he averaged 51 yards a punt. A lot of his punts were in the air for 50 yards. It's crazy. Like, D. Williams had two returns for a minus five. Like, we haven't seen D. Williams unable to return punts 
uh, like we saw today. So you got to give credit to, to Iowa's punter. That's really the only the highlight that we can point to for Iowa's football team. Uh, that offense was butt booty table. And, and number three, bless his heart, he couldn't catch a cold. He couldn't catch a cold, man, butt naked uh, in the middle of winter. And I know we in Florida, it it, it feel like winter down here. It it really do. But uh, number three cannot catch a ball at all to save his life from Iowa. I really think Deacon Hill is the worst quarterback I've ever seen play football. Like, I, like, I'm trying to think of somebody that's worse. He, I think of all the quarterbacks Tennessee's dealt with over the last decade. They're all better than Deacon Hill. All of them. The worst quarterback that Tennessee has played in the last decade is Deacon Hill. It's got to be. Worst quarterback performance. I like being nice, man. That's New Year's resolution, man. I mean, Buddy was really a cheese in the cheese at Citrus Bowl and got benched in his own bowl game. Like, of course, I want Tennessee to make every single play and beat the opponent down. But I'm sitting there going, son, why did you take that sack? That's a bad football play. Throw the ball away. You're on the run. And you just missed two wide open dudes in the process. I want to know why they're putting him on the run in the first place. Because James Pierce was feasting and our and our defense line was feasting. So you move the pocket a little bit. That usually helps a struggling offensive line. And it it did if he would have just threw the ball. But no, he was waiting on Tyree West. Hey, Tyree West, it's your turn to sack me. Everybody else is sacking me. I'm just gonna wait on you and not throw the ball. That's what Deacon Hill felt like he said in his head. Oh well. All right, Ben. Um, I know this recording, a podcast, is not like all the other ones where it's an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes, and you got music, you got commercials, but you're literally in your hotel room. I'm literally in my hotel room, but we had to be able to connect, uh, record our thoughts on, on the football game um, and moving forward. I will be consistent. I'm going to be consistent in, in what I have been saying about what we what we need to continue to do uh, on the recruiting front. Uh, I think we saw why we need to do uh, more in acquiring talent, even in a 35-0 victory. Uh, but there's a lot to be um, encouraged by. There's a lot of really good pieces, and then we just got to add more pieces. Um and hopefully we got a great understanding of that watching the college football playoff today. When you watch Alabama, you watch Michigan and Texas and, and Washington because certainly that's where uh, we want to be as, as Josh Heupel's entering year four. Um, so um, we'll continue that conversation. Uh, Tennessee basketball uh, opening up conference play not too um, you know long from now. This Saturday uh, so, against yeah. the an old – an undefeated Ole Miss team that is ranked in the top 25, it, it'll be a, a a fun game. They're, they're actually, in less than 24 hours from now, I will be back inside of Thompson Bowling Arena at the Food City Center covering the Vols, and, and then they have their SEC opener on Saturday. should be a, a really, really fun basketball game. So exciting week ahead. Excited for, for Thursday's show uh, to, to expand on this 
Citrus Bowl win for Tennessee a, a little bit more and uh, excited to get back to the interaction with the, the the callers as well. Been a weird week even leading up to the Citrus Bowl week and a half or so for, for us. You and I traveling all around for, for the holidays. I, I was out of town and just a weird time of year in, in terms of, of sticking to a routine and a schedule. So excited to get back into a routine and, and, a, and a schedule, especially here on the show and uh, highlight this all season that's coming up and, and get ready for for a what should be a, a fun conference play for Tennessee basketball who it, it was announced right at kickoff they've moved into the top five so a, a top five Tennessee basketball team let's get it let's get it let's get it uh for, for Ben McKee go Vols 247 I'm Jason Swain and uh, happy new year to everybody and uh, we'll be back on Thursday uh, morning at 8 a.m. Uh, Swain event is fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Peace and love, everybody.